Hey, everybody, it's that time again. Yeah, Believe Sports Business, Sports Media, all sort of pod clips around the world. I'm Fred. Please email us if you agree, disagree about anything, sportsfred at aol.com. And uh, also joined, as usual, by Art Source, former kicker for the Rams and the USC Trojans. And he runs Galaxy Sports uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. And, of course, uh, around the sports world, this has been a horrendous week, a very, very sad week at of course, a couple of days ago, we're taping this on Thursday, folks. Uh, a couple of days ago, we lost uh, Vin Scully after 67 years with the Dodgers and about retirement for six years. And um, Artie, I guess uh, your comments about Vin Scully that haven't already been said by everybody on earth. Just the classiest, greatest broadcaster of baseball in a lot of other sports as well. And I mean, he was erudite. He was a gentleman. He was humble. Um, there's not a whole lot you can't say positive about him. And the, the guy was just wonderful. Nobody could bring baseball to, to, the, to a young man's ears like he did to me and probably thousands and millions of other young people growing up in, in the city of Angels over the last 40 years. Um, I loved him. Um, I also loved Bill Russell, your old sports talks partner. So it has been a very tough, tough time. But I'm getting by. I'm going to do what Aaron Rodgers does. Does I'm going to give me some ayahuasca and uh, some of that Amazonian bark and see if I can truffle my way through things. First time I was doing Dodger Talk, Barrow Beach, and I was doing the post-game show from Barrow Beach. And uh, Vinny, of course, did the game. And uh, this was in 88. And uh, he gets up and... Um, I take his seat and they go to like three minutes of commercials or more than that. And while those commercials were running, I'm saying to myself, I'm sitting in Ben Scully's seat. I shouldn't be here. And I swear to you, I, I, I have a pretty good memory for things. As I did the show and it was like an hour post game show. I don't remember one thing I'm talking about. Not now. Of course, I don't, but I'm right after the show. I couldn't have told you one thing that I said, that entire hour. I mean that in all sincerity. I, I got a call from somebody at Madden who said, good job. I said, thank you. I didn't know what to say because I didn't know what I said on my life. It's a true story. You know, that's really funny that you said that, Fred, because Matt Vascarian, who does Angel Telecast and Major League Baseball Network, he was talking about the first time he broadcast for the Milwaukee Brewers at Dodger Stadium, and he looked over to his right, and there was Vince Scully, and he said, here I am calling a baseball game with my ultimate hero right over in the next press box. He goes, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people felt that way. I mean, you know, the story of how he arrived on the scene with his tape recorder in the center field and the Ebbets field and, you know, crawling under the old radios in the old days and, and listening to the crowd noise and, and the effect it had on him as a youngster in, in Brooklyn. It's just such a great story. And, and to have a love affair with the game of baseball and to be able to project the game. You know, Jerry Royce was talking talking a little bit about it uh, through Facebook today. And and I was at, at Vero Beach when, uh, when when Vinny came in and Sinatra was there. They were all at the clubhouse. And Jerry Royce pinned up the please don't feed the manager sign. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tommy's and Tommy came out just you know ranting and raving and and Sinatra was giggling because they are all in on it and oh my God I was thinking 
Vince Gully, Sinatra. I mean, what a what an era of life that was. And, and you know, now you look at the world we live in now, and a lot of our heroes are going by the by the wayside, Fred. It's kind of sad. You know, 67 years with the Dodgers, and people presume like he had a perfect life. His first mm-hmm. wife, uh, Joan, died at 35 years of age, and then he His had son. the kids to take care of. And then, of course, uh, Sandra died a couple of years ago from ALS, and I don't think he lost an older son too. Uh, I'm sorry, he lost one of his sons too at a very young age in an accident. I don't, but as far as ALS is concerned, and he had a obviously a deep seated love affair, 50 years married to Sandra. The worst possible way probably (laughs) to die would be ALS. I mean, because your mind is still there and your body basically is gone. Until you're gone. I mean, it's just, Horan, he dies a year and a half, Vinny died a year and a half later after Sandra passed away. So it's, um, you know, I got to meet him once when he was doing uh, golf telecasts for NBC Sports. And and I told him, I said, you know, Vin, you're the best. And he goes, you're too kind, Artie. And I'd only met him a couple of times, but he remembered everybody's name, Fred. I mean, the guy was just uh, amazing. And everybody that, you know, paid homage to him over the last couple of days, talked about the moments they spent with him and, and, you know, how he told, he told some of the younger guys that went to work for the Dodgers, don't play cards with those guys in the clubhouse. He said, because, you know, on the flights and stuff, he goes, these guys are card sharks. They'll take all your money. And I mean, he was just, he was just a gem of a person who loved the game of baseball. And, you know, we should all revel in the, in the, the fact that we got to listen to one of the great voices of all time for many years. As far as Bill Russell was concerned uh, 50 years ago, I was one of his producers when people don't remember this. Uh, he did a sports talk show on KBC radio, my favorite radio station. I was in college and uh, it was his produ- one of his producers. There were two producers. Don Severino. <laughs> and um, he was asked a few times, why he wouldn't sign autographs. And he said, because my dad was a better bricklayer than I was basketball player and nobody asked for his autograph. See, folks don't understand unless you're African-American and have gone through what he went through racially. Even when he's he playing brought up South- in Mississippi, right, Fred? I'm sorry? He was brought up in Mississippi. So yeah. he saw, and- I heard the story about his mom he used to like to go dancing. And they wouldn't allow her to go dancing, you know, in, in these different places. So Bill went and talked, to, I guess, to one of the owners as a young man. He was six foot seven. And the guy said, all right, on Monday nights, we'll let, you know, we'll let the blacks come in here and dance. And they did it. They were very successful. And then he started letting them come in at 10 o'clock at night every night because they, they were bringing money to the business. And, I mean, it's funny how things work when, you know, a little bit of dollars are behind you. But he was an incredible man. I got to spend some time with him at the United Negro College Telethon Tournament in the mid-80s at La Costa, Michael Jordan's tournament. And the guy was so intellectual, so bright, had the greatest, most infectious laugh you ever heard in your life. I mean, it was like the, like a cackle. And I'm sure you heard it many times, you know, producing the sports talk show. But just an amazing man. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, he was just, uh, what a consummate winner though, huh, Fred? Yeah, he wanted everything. Uh, 
the uh, two consecutive uh, national titles at USF. And uh, by the way, UCLA was the uh, last school to beat them before the streak started. And of course, at that point, UCLA actually had a basketball coach, unlike in 2022. Um, and then, of course, he goes to the Celtics after the two years. And Boston, among the northern cities, I think people would say, would be as racist as any city in the north. And he was called names, even though he won. And then, you know, they started with a couple of blacks playing and then eventually, of course, all five blacks playing. But uh, it wasn't, you know, that was the days of Louisa Day Hicks and others in Boston when they were, she was arguing against integration in schools. We're talking Boston, Massachusetts in the 60s and the 70s. So it's not like, you know, well, we're talking you saw 100 years what they ago. did. You saw what they did with Willie Mays. They had a chance. Can you imagine how many home runs Willie Mays would have hit in the band box that we know is Fenway Park? <laughs> you know, and so Russell lived racism, unless you've been in his shoes, because people have gone after him. And unless you've been in his shoes, uh, you don't understand it. Uh, but I think he was as fine a sports talk show host as I've ever heard because he was totally honest. He was totally himself. It wasn't like, well, if I say this, and then if I say that, you know, I, I thought of myself when I was doing KBC is fairly honest. And then one day we were talking about uh, Magic Johnson and uh, uh, the AIDS thing. And I said what I really felt. Um, if I had a kid, I wouldn't want him to play against somebody, another kid in a collision type sport if he had AIDS. At that point, of course, we didn't know uh, for sure, but we thought it was passed by blood. Do you know how many hate letters I got for stating that? You wouldn't believe it. I mean, the general manager, um, Bill Ward, brought me into his office and he said, I got to tell you, Fred, you got guts. And I said, well, no, I, that's what I really believe. But you see, now you've got, there are people that live forever. You live a normal life with AIDS because they're medicines that keep you going. At that point, you didn't. I, if you notice that since then, trainers in the NBA, trainers in other sports, wear gloves before they touch anybody. So it's not as if it can't be passed blood to blood. But what I'm trying to say is most people wouldn't have said that, but it, it was the first thing that came to my mind because I, I had a brother that died of leukemia. When I was 16, he was seven, the smartest kid on earth. And um, so I knew enough. I mean, so I've always been into the medical side of it, because if you have a brother that dies young, you get into the medical side of it. So I just didn't want to see any other kid die. And uh, the hate letters I got. So if you multiply that by a thousand, that's what Russell must have gotten, you know, when he was playing for the Celtics and even doing KBC, there's no telling how many he got. And, you know, you talked to him about uh, Scully for a second. Let's go back the Henry Aaron home run when he beat Babe Ruth 715 to 714. Aaron talked about the thousands of hate letters he got. How dare you beat a white man? So, folks, this is the United States of America, and we are not <laughs> any better than a whole lot of other nations. Already uh, taken away. Well, you know, I was I was thinking, I've been waiting for this all year, Fred, and we're gonna to go a little positive here, but I was thinking about Josh McDaniels going home tonight to play in Canton McKinley Stadium where he starred as a field goal kicker and a wide receiver and quarterback. 
and his dad was the head coach. One of the great programs in high school football in the United States. They would play Maslin. It'd be like Servite in modern day here in California or St. John Bosco in modern day. And, you know, the Raiders, I'm looking around the NFL and I'm seeing that AFC West. And I got to say, what a heck of a division that is. You got the Chargers who really have bolstered their defense behind Staley, their coach. You've got Josh McDaniels and the Raiders, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you go down that division and you just go, wow. And then you got Denver, which has a great defense. So I'm excited about football. I thought it would never come. It seems a little early on August 4th. But, uh, you know, when nobody that we know is going to probably play in the game tonight. But I was thinking about, you know, something I read in the Sports Journal that the NFL has accounted for 75 of the 100 most viewed programs over the last two years on television. If you really think about that for a second, and then you look at what's going on in the NFL with the Stephen Ross situation in Miami, Daniel Snyder in Washington, Mark Davis with the Raiders, you know, the, the Watson situation with Sue Robinson, and now they've, they've brought in a new former attorney general from, uh, from New Jersey, Peter Harvey, who's going to, you know, kind of adjudicate this, this case. The NFL wants a full year suspension plus a $5 million fine. I mean, it's just crazy times in the world of sports. And, I mean, I watched them actually take, you know, Deshaun Watson off the field yesterday in Berea, Ohio, at training camp. And he was like, well, what's going on? And they wanted to, you know, Demory Smith, who runs the NFL Players Association, you know, was talking to him about what was going on. I mean, Fred, this is a wild time for the NFL and for sports all around. Okay. Um, here's my prediction. It's a sham appeal. He'll end up with an eight-game suspension. And the league will say, well, we tried for more. I know. No, so they, they're going to find a way out. They yeah. told the Cleveland Browns going in that it wouldn't or be they the wouldn't have signed him. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't have signed him. And assuredly, uh, they wouldn't have traded Baker. So, Mayfield. Right. So, this is all a setup, folks. And I'm not one who believes in uh, demonic theories or anything like that. This You're is not a, a conspiracy setup. guy. <laughs> yeah, not at all. You will come back in a couple of days or a week, whenever, now, and the league will say. Let me ask you this, Fred. What's going to happen to Daniel Snyder? He has seemed to be impervious to all these things. Now, we know Stephen Ross made some comments, and, you know, they slapped him on the wrist a little bit. And, you know, he's going to have to hang out for a while to get, be fined and whatever, but he'll be back. But, I mean, what are they going to do with Daniel Snyder with that that whole – front office and everything they went through, the boat rides, everything. I mean, come on, there's got to be something happening there. Yeah, you'd hope so. But uh, again, only thing that matters is how much money the uh, owners make. And last check, I think uh, earlier this week, the Cowboys are now worth, what, $7.6 billion? Yeah, and the Rams actually are up to $5.9 billion. Um, you know, Denver with the Walton family is at $4.65 billion. I mean, it's just crazy how 20% increase in two years for all the franchises in the NFL down the line. And I guess only the Yankees and the Dodgers are in between in that same kind of, you know, rarefied air. 
So, I mean, yeah, the rich get richer. <laughs> and hey, sports let, franchises are a way to go. Before we go, I just want to throw this out. Uh, Dodger uh, management that believes it's the smartest man in the room. Okay, and you saw what happened on Tuesday. With the, uh, mm -hmm. and, and fine, I mean, I, I, nothing necessarily totally wrong with what they did, except they thought they were very cute. Mitch White, I remember when he was drafted five, six years ago, I, I, Baseball America rated him very highly. He was a second-round draft pick. Dodgers thought he was in, very intelligent to give him to Toronto, trade him to Toronto, basically for just a lower draft pick because, hey, we're full of pitchers. Mm -hmm. Folks, we're taping this on Thursday at uh, now 3.30 Pacific Daylight Time, one hour ago. Clayton Kershaw on the hill left the mound because of a bad back. Here's my I prediction. Guess. He's gone for much of the season, the rest of it. And Mitch White ends up, not this year necessarily, but Mitch White ends up a winner for Toronto. Your comments. Over the next four or five years, yeah. I mean, Toronto is my surprise team right now. You know, and I'll tell you another thing, Fred. Don't ask me what Milwaukee was thinking when you let a guy like Josh Hader. I don't agree with his politics. I don't agree with what he's all about. But how do you let one of the best closers in the game, when you have a lead in the National League Central Division, go? I mean, what, what does that say about Estancio, the owner? I mean, what, what is he thinking about? Do they really care about winning? I mean, but I agree with you, Fred. The Dodgers had nine guys lined up. And I'm going to say one thing. If it wasn't for the two kids at the top of that rotation right now, where would they be? They have the best record in baseball. Everybody's been talking about the Yankees. If you look at the record right now, the Dodgers are, are shooting at 680. I think they're 71 and 38 or something. Crazy numbers. And I mean, and what is, what is their team batting average? It's got to be like 240 or less. I mean, how are they doing it? It's just amazing to me. Okay, before we go, I'm going to ask you one question. you got one minute to answer it. You talked about the uh, exhibition game in an hour and a half from right now on, on NBC. Some people will tell you it's easier to bet exhibition games than regular games. Other people will tell you, if you bet an exhibition game, you're an idiot. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm not going to bet a whole lot on it, but I, I, like, I like the over 30. And uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville only because I really don't think the Raiders care. I think they're there to have a great time. I think Jacksonville is real serious under Peterson, wanting to get off to a good start. They're going to play, you know, their quarterback a lot more than I think you're going to see anybody that we know on the Raiders. So, I mean, I, I got a $10 parlay. Woohoo! here we go. <laughs> for Art, for Mario, I'm Fred. Thank you guys and gals for listening to Believe Sports Business Sports Media. Also heard on Pod Clips, and we'll see you around the corner. Until then, stay well, be well, and uh, I have nothing else to say. Good go. night, everybody.